Praise the Lord. I am grateful to be here today. As many of you know, I consider this my other church. <laughs> there was a time when I was having difficulty uh, when I left Knox Church. I felt like my heart had been ripped out, um, but I knew I had to go. So Christ our King became my prayer warriors, and you prayed me through. And I'm happy to say that I'm doing great. And I praise God for all of you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for every single moment that you allow us to breathe a breath of air. We thank you each and every time you allow us to see the beauty of a day. We thank you, Lord God, that we are aware of our surroundings and the people who are with us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have blessed us to be prayer warriors for one another and that you have filled our hearts with love. Come now, Lord God, and speak to us. Quiet in us, Lord, anything that is not of you, that we might fully receive the power and anointing of your holy word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to share a story with you this morning that was told about a very wealthy young man who lived in a great elaborate mansion with dozens and dozens of rooms. Each room was more comfortable and more beautiful than the one before it. So one day he decided to invite the Lord to come and stay with him. What joy it would be for God to live in his house with him, just icing on the cake. When the Lord arrived, the young man gave Jesus the biggest and the best room in the house. The young man said, this room is yours, Jesus. Stay as long as you like, and you can do whatever you want to in this room. It's yours. Thank you, the Lord said. And with that, the man shut the door and went about his business. That evening, after he had gone to bed, he heard a loud knock at the front door. So the young man went downstairs, and when he opened the door, he found the devil had sent three of his demons to attack him. He quickly tried to close the door, but one of the demons kept sticking his foot in the door. So after a brief struggle, he managed to slam the door shut, going back to his room totally exhausted. Can you believe that? The young man thought. Jesus is upstairs in my very best room, sleeping while I'm down here battling demons. Oh, well, maybe he just didn't hear it. So the next day was normal. He was tired from the night before, so he went to bed early. But again, around midnight, he was awakened by a lot of noise and commotion at his front door. Again, he went downstairs, opened the door, only to find dozens and dozens of demons trying to get into his beautiful house. For nearly three hours, he was fighting and struggling against demons, but finally was able to shut the door. This time, he was really tired. He didn't even make it up the steps to his room, so he laid down on the couch in his family room. He said to himself, 
I really don't understand. I don't understand this at all. Why won't the Lord come to my rescue? Why does he allow me to fight all by myself? I feel so alone. The next morning, he decided to have a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> so the young man stood at the door and knocked. Jesus answered and listened to his story. Jesus, I don't understand what's happening. For the last two nights, I have had to fight demons away from my door while you were sleeping. Don't, don't you care about me? Did I not give you the very best room in my house? Like the disciples, this rich young man knew that Jesus is someone that he wanted to be close to. He knew that Jesus is able to fight battles that no one else can. For instance, if you go back to the book of Luke in chapter 8 that we have heard a reading from today, look at the story just before. It is a story where Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat when they encountered a severe storm. The disciples, in fear for their lives, call upon Jesus, who was sleeping quietly through it all. Jesus awakes. He rebukes the wind and raging waves, causing an immediate calmness to overcome the sea. The disciples are afraid because they now have seen with their own eyes. They have experienced it for themselves, and they realize that Jesus has power, even power over nature. And the wind and the rain and the raging waters of the sea. Jesus has power like no one and nothing else that they have ever seen. And they are afraid. So Jesus asked them a question. He says, where is your faith? In other words, why do you doubt the power of God in your lives? In the portion of scripture that was shared this morning, we find a people who did not know about the power of God. And they certainly didn't know about the power of God through Jesus Christ. They were unaware that it does not matter what your situation is. When Jesus enters the situation, all things become new. All things are reset and all things are revived and all things are redirected. To God's glory. Here we find Jesus and his disciples stepping out of the boat onto land in garrison. We believe that this was primarily a community of Gentiles with perhaps just a few Jewish inhabitants. Further inland, you may have found pagan temples, and there is only this story recorded in the book of Luke where Jesus is ministering to a predominantly Gentile population. There are a few things that stand out to give us a clue about this community. They did not have the same concerns as Jews about the graveyard, about pigs, or about people who are problematic. Like demon possessed man that we are going to hear about in the story. 
For Jesus and his disciples, the presence of these elements were all problematic because touching or being exposed to any of them or all of them would make them unclean for seven days. In other words, they would be forced to separate themselves from their family, from their home, from their community, and even from an opportunity to worship God in a temple. But unlike the Jewish community, this community in, of Gentiles in many ways were really good people. They had learned to embrace life, including living with tolerating and attempting to manage or partially control the demonic man that lived among them. No matter what they tried to do to help the man, he was out of control physically and mentally. When Jesus stepped off the boat, the encounter between them was explosive. The crazed man stormed out of the tombs of a nearby graveyard to a Jesus, and I can imagine he looked scary with matted hair, blood running down his wrists. He was naked, had scratches all over his skin, and his arms were just thrashing, and his voice was screaming as he ran toward them. I can hardly imagine what the disciples were thinking. But I can imagine them falling over top of each other trying to get back in the boat. <laughs> you see, this man had a great problem. A greater problem than his community was able to address all by themselves. The townspeople tried to help him. They tried to restrain his body with chains, and this must have been working for a little while, but his problem was deeper than a physical bonding. This must, like the rich young man, they realized they were losing the battle on their own, but unlike the rich young man, at this point, they did not know about Jesus, who could help them set this man free from his internal spiritual suffering. They were trying to treat the outer man. They were trying to treat that outer man with laws and regulations, with moral standards and chains, which can only affect behaviors, but never touching, never addressing the inner source of this man's problem. So as a result, each year, his problem became worse and more uncontrollable. At the same time, his inner struggle had given him a great deal of freedom. He had freedom to run. He had freedom to be naked. He was a streaker. <laughs> he had freedom to scream at inappropriate times. He had freedom never to abide by rules so no one could teach him. He had freedom to be unruly. He observed no laws and could not be governed. He had freedom to not be contained or restrained so no shackle could bind him. He had become very strong and he was fierce. He broke every chain that was put on his body. 
He had freedom to stay in dark, secluded places like the tombs in a graveyard. But in the process of gaining this freedom, he had lost his humanity. He had lost his human companionship. He had lost love. He had lost his home, and he was lost to God. In other words, the possession had taken away everything that resembled the life he once lived. It was nothing short of spiritual warfare being exposed right out in the open for everyone to see. I can imagine that Jesus could hear the cries of this man from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the man's cries was what was drawing Jesus to get in the boat and go to the other side. He was being drawn to this man with God's compassion. He was being drawn to him to touch and to set this captive free. We see in our text that when the man finally reaches Jesus, he cries out to him and falls at Jesus' feet. You might think he would have attacked Jesus, but instead the demons inside of him begin to scream at the top of their lung, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I I beg you, don't torture me. In other words, the demons recognize Jesus, son of the most high God. The demons recognized Jesus and knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus had the power, the power to do whatever Jesus wanted to do. Unlike the disciples on the boat during the storm, the devil is not surprised. The devil is not clueless about the authority and power of God. Even this legion of demons who were bad and fierce and strong, even this legion of demons cry out for mercy in the face of Jesus. They beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss. Don't send us into the deep, Jesus. Don't send us into the place of our torment. Jesus, have mercy on us. First and foremost, they know what Jesus has come to do. They know the deal. They got to go. Through this encounter, we are awakened to the reality of Ephesians 6 and 12. That passage of scripture says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This passage is a glimpse of the unseen world of spiritual warfare in its extreme. Unfortunately, the message of the enemy is a powerful one. The message of the enemy is destructive. The message of the enemy is hate-filled. The message of the enemy is active. The message of the enemy is distorting and destroying people's relationships with God and with one another. If we are to fight this battle, and unfortunately we must, because the enemy is active and real in our world. We cannot fight against one another. We cannot fight against one another. Instead, we must fight through the presence of the Holy Spirit. We must fight with prayer. 
We must fight with fasting. We must fight with trusting God. We must fight with obeying God's call upon our lives. We must fight loving one another. We must fight forgiving one another and believing in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior stands with us and that Christ is a force that no one in heaven or earth can withstand. Just like Jesus showed mercy to the man possessed and shows mercy to the demon who possessed him, Jesus hears our cries for help. Jesus hears our cry for guidance. In mercy, Jesus freed the man who had no voice to ask for help from being possessed. In the same moment, Jesus allowed the demons who had stolen the man's voice asking for mercy to enter the pigs. No sooner had they entered the swine, they showed that they remained true to their normal personality of evil nature. And as they violently ran down a steep hill into a lake and drowned every last one of the swine, still causing mischief. This is the ultimate goal of the enemy, to catch us off guard, to destroy, and to take away the life that God meant for us to have. You would have thought that everybody would have been shouting and praising God for the miracle that Jesus had done in setting the man, the captive, free. But this was not the case. The shepherds of the swine were outraged because their livelihood had just drowned in the lake. You see, sometimes we get so used to the way things are that we become settlers. You saw them on TV, right? We become settlers. We are content with injustice. We are content with oppression. We are content with a statistical amount of killings on the news. We are content with pain of others as long as it does not hurt our finances. The truth about many of the wars fought in this world all began because of economic gain. It is not a new concept realized that people are expendable, especially where money has become the God. By the time the shepherds returned with the other townspeople, the man now free from the demons was clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, now having found his own voice in his right mind, was asking Jesus to allow him to travel with him and his disciples. But when the people of the town saw this, they were overwhelmed and afraid of Jesus because of the miracle he had performed. They asked Jesus, uh, can you leave now? There's your boat. Don't pass, go, get in the boat. Bye. They put him out. So many of the people of Jesus' day, the Gentiles living in this community, and even some in this day and age, do not understand what Jesus had done. Some do not understand that Jesus is the Son of God and did not understand that Jesus had made this man whole in mind. What 
they saw was unnatural. It was inconceivable. It was unbelievable. So they became frightened and demanded that Jesus go. They were so busy fighting their own losing battle that they did not realize that God's plan included setting, sending the Savior who will stand up and fight on our behalf. So let me share with you the ending of the story about the rich young man who was fighting his own battles at the front door of his beautiful mansion and now stood before Jesus asking why he had not helped him. Jesus' eyes by this time had filled with tears as the young man continued to share his story. The young man said, I just don't understand. I really thought that once I invited you to live with me, that you would take care of me. And I gave you the best room in my house and everything. What more can I do? My precious child, Jesus spoke softly. I do love and care for you. I protect all that you have released to my care. But when you invited me to come here and stay, you brought me to this lovely room and you shut the door to the rest of the house. I am the Lord of this room, but I am not the master of this house. I have protected this room and no demon may enter here. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Take all of my house. It's yours. I am so sorry that I never, I never offered you all to begin with. I want you to have control of everything. With this, he flung open the bedroom door and knelt at Jesus' feet. Please forgive me, Lord. Jesus smiled and told him that he had already forgiven him and that he would take care of things from now on. So at midnight, the banging on the door began. The young man slipped out of his room in, in time to see Jesus going down the stairs. He watched in awe as Jesus swung open the door. Satan stood at the door demanding to be let in. What do you want, Satan? The Lord asked. The devil bowed low in the presence of the Lord. Uh, so sorry, um, I seem to have gotten the wrong address. <laughs> and with that, he and the demons all ran away. This is the same victory that the man in Scripture had come to know. He was now whole. He had been given back his freedom to live again, to love again, to worship again. And he wanted to serve and go with Jesus everywhere that Jesus went. Like the rich young man, he surrendered him whole, his whole self to the Lord. This saved man had a testimony to tell. This saved man had a job to do. And Jesus had plans for this saved man. In reality, he had become the first missionary that Jesus sent out into the world to tell what God has done. Jesus commissioned a former demon-possessed man to go back and tell it all. If a demon-possessed man got a chance, surely I do too. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank you. He sent this man back to his own people who 
watched him change into this uncontrollable madman. He sent him back home to tell those who were afraid that they did not need to be afraid anymore. He sent them back to tell what God had done. Jesus wanted this man to go back to his people and let them know it is time to surrender their whole house, not a room, but their whole house to Jesus. Not just the one room, but every single thing that they have, surrender it all to Jesus because this is what God will do if you surrender it all. He will fight for you. He's telling them to go back. God will change your life. He will take the craziness out of you. He will set you free. He'll make you whole again. He will make your, your mind be in the right place and you can walk around with beautiful clothes on. Once again, this is what God will do for you. He's saying, let go and give it all to the Lord. Tell what God has done. Jesus wanted him to go back and tell it all. Christ is our king. What a brilliant idea to call a church Christ our king. It's brilliant. Christ is our king. And this house, this house of prayer with all its beautiful rooms, with the wonderful spirit-filled members with the prayer warriors all in a place. Thank you, Lord, praying for one another and then praying for extended people like me. Thank you, Jesus. I might have to shout on my good leg. I'm trying to keep the bacterium down right now. <laughs> Just get so good when you think about how God has blessed you through the prayer warriors. Woo! Woo! Okay, I got to calm down, calm down. Y'all ain't got no fans up here. <laughs> Woo, Lord. I'm saying. But you got to give it all to the Lord. Spirit-led ministry that you have. You are touching people all over the state of Maryland with the gifts that God has blessed you with. You have been a blessing to others. That's what churches are here for. We're not here to take care of ourselves. We are here to make our communities better because we become the ark of safety for the community. People who don't know God get to know about God because God is commissioned us to go tell it all God is in our midst and it doesn't matter when we go through hard times because God is still there what the, the poem footprint tells you the man said I looked down and saw one set of prints and it was the worst time of my life everything that could go wrong was going wrong and the Lord was like you know see Lord's just so calm see I don't know if I've been that calm See, the Bible says don't call nobody a fool and all this kind of stuff. See, I don't know if I've been as calm as God, but God was so calm. He said, look, buddy, when you saw those prints, that was me carrying you. Those were the footprints that you saw. They were not your own. You couldn't have made it through that unless I carried you through it. And you needed to go through it because I had a plan for you. And I'm strengthening you through the midst of the trauma. So even with struggles we face, we know without a shadow of a doubt that we belong to God. So trust God to set the captives free. Trust God to heal the wounded hearts. Trust God to lead and guide. Trust God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to fight 
every single battle that we have to face. Yes, you have a testimony, and your testimony is just as powerful as the demon-possessed, now freed man. Your testimony is to return and tell the amazing story of what God has done. To the glory of God, we pray. Amen. The meditation and reflection? Oh, he does that.